0: One, two, three, four. So
1: what's really cool is you'll actually get a chart of your session. And you can kind of usually see where your orgasm is, or maybe if you're close to orgasm, where you're most aroused. So it's been really cool for me to have, like be able to post my own content of like, here's me drinking a cup of coffee versus normal. And then look how different it looks. So for me, caffeine really helps. And so I think a lot of people, like we've, I would Probably say like 99% of people in this world have never seen their arousal charted out in a way like that.
0: I'm joined by the talented and inspiring Anna Lee. She's a technical co founder of Lioness, a sexual wellness company that built the first and only smart vibrator that lets you see orgasms to learn how to make them better and better. She was previously a mechanical engineer at Amazon. She launched um, the Amazon Dash Buttons original concept, as well as the Kindle Voyage page press technology. Um, she was also featured in Forbes 30 Under 30. Um, and she's a big advocate to Lioness's mission to expand and understanding um, and research in sexual health and to destigmatize female sexuality. I first heard her on the Asian Boss Girl podcast and I loved it. I was like, I love supporting Asian women. I was like, I need to have her on. So thank you for coming on. I'm so excited to get into this topic. It's not talked about enough. So Yes. Um, yeah. Thanks so much for coming on.
1: Oh, thanks for having me. I'm super Yay. excited. Always happy to talk sex things, you know? <laughs>
0: Let's go. Yeah. Um, so I kind of want to start off before we get into Lioness and all that. I'm curious to know more about your childhood and like how you got into mechanical engineering. I know that you had Asian immigrant parents that came to the States. So how was that growing up with the dichotomy of the, you know, more Korean household versus, you know, the westernized influence that you had in your day to day with like school and like the friends and people around you.
1: Yeah. So I grew, I was born in California, but when I was a baby, we moved back to Korea. Um, So my, all my entire family is born and raised in Korea, except for me. Um, But we moved back to Korea when I was a baby. And then I lived there till I was like six or seven. And then we moved back to um California. And the whole idea was my parents really wanted to give us like what the quote unquote American dream was. I think, mm-hmm. especially back in the day of like immigrants coming to the U.S. and Um, giving up everything they've had and, you know, Uh, whatever country for me Korea and then like kind of building this life and giving your kids the best opportunities possible um so I grew up actually in a really conservative quite religious family um so we never talked about sex nor was it in really in my passion to want to be like oh yeah I'm like when I grew up I like totally want to do things around sex like I talked to my friends about sex stuff like it wasn't really any of that if anything it was actually really the opposite of me being really scared my own body well into my 20s of like, uh, just like even with partners having a hard time explaining like what I liked, what I didn't like. And it just felt like this whole thing. And I think a little bit with um, a little bit of like the concept, I guess, of like patriarchy or also just like, you know, growing up in like a really conservative household of like, oh, like women are supposed to be like this or like this. And so actually, all of those things in a funny way really fueled me to want to be a little bit stubborn and being like, you know what, but we came here into America to kind of get away from all of those things. And so um, but that was something that I like, discovered way, way later. And I really was kind of in this mindset of like, I liked engineering, I was going to go into corporate life and like, just do that for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I think, because that was my goal for so long, like, go to a good college, have a great job. Once I got there, I just realized like, oh, like, is this what life is supposed to be? And so um, I think that was the time that I really started just exploring different avenues of things that I found I was passionate in. Um, and I really did get that. I think one of the biggest thing is like, my parents are, you know, I think it's a really common story, especially for Asian Americans, or like first gens, is like this, passion because they've seen their parents work so hard in a country that they didn't speak the language and they've always taught me this idea of like do the best you can and don't take no for an answer in terms of people turning away opportunities for you and so even though startup life wasn't in my in my like dna to want to do it was definitely like okay i want to I want, I have this, like, I've met my co-founders and we wanted to build a vibrator that helps people learn about their bodies. And everybody was like, no, don't do that. Like, it's, it's mm-hmm. so risky. Hardware is risky. Sex is risky. Doing products for people with vaginas is very risky. Mm-hmm. And I think it was really like, I do chalk it up a lot to my parents and like my upbringing of being like, let me just figure out how we can make this work and like not Mm -hmm. taking no for an answer of people turning it down. Cause like, yeah. And I think that's really inspired from my parents and my culture um, in the way that because it's so taboo it made me feel very like energized to want to break it.
0: Yeah, so cool. So when you made that transition from more like the corporate to like the startup entrepreneur, were you ever terrified were there any moments where you're like I don't know should I have done this or any kind of regret like just kind of also explaining that to your parents as well because I did something similar almost yeah I guess a year ago I had a more corporate role and I left that for something a lot more freelance Mm -hmm. like something similar startup vibes Um, and my parents were a little bit concerned like are you sure this is something what you want to do because you know there's more stability in corporate or as they say so what, what was your thought process when you were going through that
1: yeah, I'm not going to lie. I I mean, I think I still deal with it to this day of like, you know, startups are always going to be risky, no matter, you know, how far you go. Um, compared to I think corporate, and I think a really good example of this is like, when I get sick, when I used to get sick at, at my corporate job, I'd be like, Hey, I got to take, you know, sick time, like, I just need to recover. But now it's this weight of like, okay, there's people that are working with me. And like, if I'm down like a chunk of the company is down. And so like this constant, like balance of making sure things are running. Um, I think when I first quit, I, I was pretty young, I was 23. So I was very much kind of one in the mindset of like, Oh, you know, what's the worst that can happen? Like, let me just try this out. But I definitely did feel the panic of like, uh, we didn't pay ourselves. We were completely bootstrapped for about a year and, you know, we didn't have health insurance. Like all those worries started really sinking in. And I actually didn't tell my parents when I first quit. Cause I knew they would just add to this, like, what are you doing? Like, especially if I was going to work in sex tech, it, it was very much like, um, knowing the pressure of my parents potentially disowning me or just being like, you're like, why would you waste your quote unquote, like waste your opportunities by doing this kind of project so I would say like my parents are definitely accepting of it now but you know still to this day they're like hey so when are you gonna go get a real job And yeah. because <laughs> to them it's like corporate corporate life is a job and that's of kind course. of the only route so I think definitely I've constantly battled with like am I doing the right thing and you know especially I think in my like 20s it was really much it was really a lot of like like watching other people you know excel or buy a house and you're like am I doing the right things and like you know uh, get constantly getting promoted mm-hmm. um, and you're really just grinding at your startup and it's like a really like for us it's such a passion project um, and so you constantly are like am I doing the right thing and I think one of the biggest things for me is like six seven years into it it really breaks of this idea of like man like nobody knows what they're like truly nobody knows what they're doing and as long as you feel your values are fulfilled of like what makes you happy in life and what makes you fulfill the values that you have like i think that's all you can really ask for and so it really did take a bit of time for me to really feel that and feel very very comfortable in it um and so it was definitely a learned journey but when we fr- when i first quit definitely i constantly had this thing of like am i doing the right thing you know, mm-hmm. one year into it, two years into it, people are like, hey, like, when are you going to exit your company? When are you going to sell it for billions at all? You know, like all mm-hmm. of whatever Silicon Valley dreams, quote unquote dreams are. And I just realized like, that wasn't really why we built the company in the first place. Like for us, it really was the mission to uh, get more research and information for mm-hmm. people with vaginas out there.
0: Yeah, no, hundred percent. And do you feel like, I, I assume your role has changed from when you first started to seven years into this now? Um, How do you still find that fulfillment? Or do you feel like because there's such a big need to educate females Mm. and other people, everyone kind of about, um, you know, vagina and orgasms and all that? Um, Yeah. So what does your your role look like now? And how do you still find that fulfillment after so many years?
1: Yeah. So I think one of the biggest things is like, we, I'm just constantly learning. I, I always tell this to people, cause I think even when people ask me for like, for example, sex advice, mm-hmm. it's not that I'm an expert in it, right? Like, I don't know every single thing or like I, my experience, I've had every single experience that can relate to somebody else's. Um, so I think for me, it's all, I'm always learning and I'm always kind of like, oh, like, that's really interesting. Like, I definitely want to learn more about that or all of these things. So I think because it's always going to be, such a learning opportunity for me. And I think also for a company, company-wise, like I really started out as like purely engineering. Like, and my co-founders make fun of me to this day. Cause when I first started, I was like, I just, I had this chip on my shoulder that I really wanted to be known as an engineer. Like I had to prove that I was like smart. I like whatever Mm -hmm. it meant to me at that age of like, I need to prove that I'm like a woman in STEM, like all of these things. So I was really focused on the engineering portion. And obviously that's changed over the years. Like uh, there's much, much smarter engineers than I am. Like uh, that really run, help run our team and all of that. But I think now, because we're focused on like, how do we be, how do we um, grow as like a company and as a business how do we do more opportunities in research and getting out to consumers so I think one of the biggest shifts for me that I've been really excited about is like I feel like I've been um, like a I've been learning for the past five years of like feeling comfortable in this space and maybe actually just last year and this year I feel really confident of like I'm kind of you know, I've learned a lot and I feel now kind of at a space where I have a lot of thoughts about how the industry is. I think just society, like all these taboos and that I'm like, this is like not right like there's so many things we need to change and because i've kind of experienced it for a while i feel more confident of being like let's talk about like policy changes for you know social media platforms for how we do sex education so i think that's been really exciting because you know for so long i've just been kind of listening and taking things in and now i feel mm-hmm. like let's like do things that I feel very like strongly about. And so definitely both in just like growing a company, it's felt like I'm constantly learning. And then also now just like, uh, especially with us kind of growing in our social media platforms, like just having like responsibility to feel like there's so many things in policy and all of those like culture things that we don't get to talk about enough. So, uh, being able to kind of like dive into those avenues as well.
0: That's amazing. And yeah, you're talking about social media. I know that you've grown and um, there's been a lot of talk about like on TikTok with what you do and what we talk about. Yeah, I love your TikTok. So do you mind talking about how TikTok has helped grow the brand um, and like the vibrators, as well as for people that don't really understand, you know, just vibrators and the data itself and how it connects? Do you mind giving just like the rundown?
1: Yes. So I will preface it with um, so I actually, we never meant TikTok to be a platform for a brand. One, it's, they're highly, highly regulated in terms of like age restriction stuff. And uh, specifically, I would say most countries, and especially the US, like sex content in general, whether it's educational or not, it's just, Mm -hmm. you're constantly towing a very gray line of what's acceptable or not. Um, I actually started the TikTok because I was just like, oh, like really into it last year, like, like peak pandemic, and being like, Oh, like, this is such a cool platform. Like, let me just make a video because the question was like, what do you do for a living now? But what did you study? Um, And so it just ended up just kind of picking up. And I'm super grateful. And I think one of the biggest things I've learned is, uh, we don't get the sex and including myself, like we just a lot of people just didn't get the sex education that we ever needed to help us understand a lot of things. And so um, I've learned a lot in the past six years that I don't think I would have learned otherwise. And I, I felt like I was like, man, I should just lo- tell people about the fun stories and the cool things I've learned over the years. Mm-hmm. So for us, one of the big things was the data proponent of it. Um, so the Linus has Uh, two force sensors. And what we're measuring is involuntary pelvic floor movements. So for example, how your vaginal muscles or your anal muscles squeeze and contract, Mm -hmm. um, it's a really good indicator for arousal and orgasms. So what's really cool is you'll actually get a chart of your session, and you can kind of usually see where your orgasm is, or maybe if you're close to orgasm, where you're most aroused. So it's been really cool for me to have like be able to post my own content of like, here's me drinking a cup of coffee versus normal, and then look how different it looks. So for me, caffeine really helps. And so I think a lot of people like we've, I would probably say like 99% of people in this world have never seen their arousal charted out in a way like that and so um and so like really and just really showing people how interconnected your entire body is with your overall wellness we've had an athlete had a concussion and she'll she saw really different um orgasm data like that kind of flatlined after the concussion so really just helping people understand like every body is completely normal and this constant scare of is my body normal is it weird? that my body does this like we want to be like it's completely normal it's just how your body reacts and the more we actually track it the better we actually can understand our bodies better so um, that's really kind of what my, I think social media has really become for us is like just trying to put out my own experiences in hopes that people are like, Oh, like it's can be super normal and it can be something that you can talk about in such a, I don't know. I think I talk about it in a pretty nerdy way. And I've talked about mm-hmm. a lot of like research and all of that, um, to just make people feel comfortable and safe in a way maybe that resonates with them more than like if something is super sexy or like, I don't know, like all more power to those people. But I, for me, it's like, I find joy in being like, look at my chart, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and I had um, two shots versus like being sober and like being able to kind of show people in that way and just making people feel more comfortable with their bodies and just more curious, I think.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. I feel like there's not enough education at all, especially for females with orgasms because there's that there's that orgasm gap. isn't it like 60 65 percent where you know they won't orgasm women won't orgasm during sex because majority of the time like women don't even know their own bodies like comfortably enough and they um like a lot of my friends haven't never even used vibrators and in like
1: yes. into my
0: 20s which is really interesting whereas men it's a little bit more um straightforward so how how does that data kind of help with not only masturbation but also with like sex and having a partner as well
1: Yeah, so I think that's a, I think that's the biggest question I always get. And when Mm -hmm. I was like really in the dating game, I feel like you, it it was really interesting to weed out people once they learn what I do. They're like, oh, why do you even, you know, like, oh, I'm scared of vibrators going to replace me or like, how many vibrators? You know, it's just, there's this really common, concept that i've heard a lot it's like oh but i have like a boyfriend i don't need a vibrator mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. a lot of those things so i think there's a couple things um i will say research wise there's a good amount of research papers that show that when you do uh, uh, specifically like people with vulvas and like people that identify as women, they have vibrators and they have a partner and their partner knows and loves the idea of that they have a vibrator. Mm -hmm. Their relationship is usually much better in like sexual satisfaction, um, just like communication, all of those things. So the way I really think about it is like a lot of people learned about their pleasure and what sex is supposed to be like, usually through a partner, like whether, you know, so it's never really like you learned it through your masturbation sessions, your pleasure, what you liked, what kind of things. And it's always like things that you've read or something that you're supposed to like, or what your partner said that's worked for his previous partners or whatever. And so for me, the idea of like sex toys, whether it's a sex story or not, like I think masturbation in general or just self-pleasure, I think really does kind of give you like, well, what really works for you? Removing all of those things, right? Like so many things could be going on in your head when you're with another partner. And so like building that confidence of like, this is just how my body works. Like, it's not like, oh, you suck at, for example, which is a really common one. It's like, Mm -hmm. some people are like, oh, you suck at foreplay. Like I, you know, like I just can't orgasm, but Maybe it's that if you use like masturbate or use the Linus, you realize that even for yourself, it takes like, let's say 20, 30 minutes uh, before you can have an orgasm. So it's like knowing that number and then being like, hey, to me, for me, I just need a lot of foreplay that, you know, is like 20 to 30 minutes. And so it becomes less I guess like accusation I don't know some people might take it like kind of personally so just being like that's just how my body works so I think it's building confidence and just understanding of your body so that whether it is using it with a partner or just feeling more comfortable with the communication aspect I think that's been a really big one that we've seen um, we're actually working on a research study with a, a researcher is working on a study right now um, saying like well does line is truly help like people understand their bodies better and things like that um, so that study will be release I think pretty soon which is really exciting um and then but yeah so I think it's just the even just kind of understanding your body whether and I always tell this to people as much as I want to be a business person of like they're like should I buy a Linus and I'm like yes you should absolutely buy one (laughs) but at the same time I'm always like if you're you know even if it's not a toy like if you can take the time to take a look in the mirror you know like a handheld mirror and like really see what you're like vulva your vagina like your clitoris like what did those all look like if you're using your hands like what do you like what you don't like like even just taking those steps I think are so valuable and just feeling comfortable with your own body and finding the right words to be able to communicate that with a partner
0: right yeah and I'm curious to know in your personal life when you first started out and you were in the dating game and yes. you would tell people "Oh, this is what I do um, how would people react and then also um I guess in your personal life since you know about all this data and research and stuff how do you not always analyze yourself I don't know if that's too personal a question but I feel like I would always be in that mindset because you know all this information about orgasming and all that
1: that's very true I I will say I'll answer that one first because it's really Mm -hmm. funny because I've we definitely went through a period where somebody needs to user test when we're prototyping the product. And, you know, when it's like really low fidelity prototypes, a lot of times it's the team that does it, especially the founders. So I will say like, I've used just like every single three printed, (laughs) like really hand and silicone molded things. And I, and we just had to constantly collect data as much as possible from ourselves. And I think there was a moment where I was like, man, like I kind of feel like masturbation is a job now because I feel like I have to go do it for <laughs> yes. the data or whatever. And so that's true. I think I think I probably do think about like my masturbation sessions, maybe more than most people think, but mm-hmm. I actually really encourage it for people because um, so, for example, in sex therapy, one of the most common things is like to keep a sex journal. So the way we think about it is like Linus is like a sex journal, but it automatically kind of collects your, mm-hmm. you know, your graphs for you on, a, on your app account and being like, oh, like this really changed for me. So, um so one of the biggest things we tell people is like, oh, you should, you kind of think about like, you know, not every time you masturbate, sometimes it could be just like totally fun or sex could be totally fun, but like take the time to be like, oh, I really liked when like this happened or even with a partner, like being able to communicate that. So I think I've maybe, I think of it less as like analyzing. I think I think of it more as like a reflection period of like, oh, I really liked when this and this happened or I really liked for myself or like, I don't know, giving myself kudos of like, oh, that was really cool. Like, I really liked that. I would want to try that again. Like all of those things. So I think it's just made me more comfortable with my body. So I think of it less like, analyzing at this point more just like I think I take more time to reflect on uh, just any sessions that I have I mean but of course there's times I'm not I'm not sitting there being like let me think about how amazing I am <laughs> Yes, <this."> but, yes. <laughs> um, and then the dating game question I think it's always been a mixed bag. Um, I've, I definitely will say like you hear, I, I, you hear every kind of thing, right? Like not everyone's Mm going to be amazing people and not everyone's going to be horrible people about it. Um, I think over the years I one definitely like given myself the barrier to be like in one year out the other, if it's something that's like, I won't ever get hung up on like, oh my God, that's so just like, why would they say that or whatever? Um, I really chalk it up overall to, it really just talks more about like our culture and probably the lack of sex education in a lot of our um, society is because of that, it causes this nervousness of like, how do I respond in this? Like, I'm trying to act really cool about it or maybe knowledgeable. So I actually give people more benefit of the doubt, I think a lot of times for it, but I would say for the most part, if anything, like it becomes a really good filter of the people that I think are maybe not people worth continuing conversations with versus like maybe like, oh yeah, this person's really cool about it. Um, and I've definitely had people who are like, oh, I like just, I don't know how I would introduce you to my friends or my family. Like that's like things that I just feel really uncomfortable about, which, you know, more, you know, totally understand. But I think it was, it's become more of just like a better barrier for like me to know, like, what kind of people I want to hang out with? What kind of people I don't? And so, um, overall, it's not been bad. I think it's just more like funny stories at this point. Right, <laughs> but right. At some point, I feel like I should make a TikTok of all the just like all the
0: funny responses I've ever gotten. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. So that you you said that woman most women will ask about orgasms is mostly like, am I normal? Is this normal? What do what's like the most common kind of questions that men usually ask about orgasms mm. that you've heard?
1: Uh, good question. I feel like maybe the most common one I've heard is like, if we're ever going to make a male sex toy, okay, yeah. <laughs> including <laughs> investors, I think they're always like, oh, like, what about men? And, mm-hmm. um, so I think maybe that, or like, can, will you ever make a product that you could track data for men or, mm-hmm. um, can men use this? And actually I always tell people like everyone has pelvic floor muscles. So Mm -hmm. whether you insert it anally or vaginally, like either way, it's going to work the exact same. And we actually have customers who use it, you know, strictly anally or people that identify uh, like people with penises that use the product. And so I've always tell people that, and you can see again with like some people, like when you, as soon as you mention anal, especially to like, I think heterosexual, like cis men, they're like, right oh my, like, no, like, I would never, they like freak out (laughs) over it. So that's uh, always my response now. Um, And then there's some people that I think are just genuinely curious of like, maybe the other one is like, oh, I really want to get this for my partner, but I'm not sure how they would respond. Like, what do you think? And my answer is always like, that's not, me like that's totally not up to me to be like oh like you should totally get it for that person like that's a conversation i think worth having and like opening that communication for like hey i really want to try a toy or like maybe like i want to gift you like something what do you think and i think i'm always like that's you know like that's absolutely not up to me and i'm not like a sex counselor or anything like that so i definitely don't want to you to put that on me so um So, yeah, maybe those are the questions. So, you know, it's usually people with like really good intentions uh, who just are looking for answers. Okay. That's great. Yeah. And before
0: we get into the rapid fire, I'm just wanting to know how has, uh, I'm sure you've gotten this question before, but how has the pandemic affected people's sex drives? Have the sales gone up? I know your brand has grown, especially on social media, but are more people curious or more people Masturbating, having sex, like what's kind of the general yeah. consensus there. Yeah. Okay.
1: I love that we didn't talk about this before, but this is just perfect tea for me to be like, I I have the perfect answer for this. So <laughs> that was actually a question we were really curious about. Um, and one of our big things is like we want to constantly work with researchers and just understand what's happening during the pandemic. I think one of the questions were like what's happening during the pandemic, because social media wise, and like, um, like journalism wise, I think everyone was like, there's so many pandemic babies, everyone's having sex, everyone's buying so many vibrators. And I, it felt very like isolating, even for me, because I remember like, peak pandemic when it was first happening, there was so much anxiety and just being like, what's happening that even I wasn't like, you know, masturbating as much or like having sex as much like, because you're just like, it's just not in this like thing. I don't know. It wasn't my top of the mind, I guess. And so I was like, huh, I was like, maybe maybe something's wrong with me because it sounds like everyone's doing it way more often. So actually one of the research studies we put out was we asked lioness users who were comfortable in opting in to be anonymous data points for um, a researcher study on like, how has COVID affected, I think, your pleasure, masturbation, and all of that. So looking at their usage statistics, like how much they've used it in 20 pre-pandemic versus during the pandemic. So one of the most interesting results from that research study we found was that uh, very very early, like the first couple months of the pandemic, people were definitely increased usage compared to pre-pandemic. But the really interesting thing we saw was like there was a, I think it was like a thirty-seven point something drop in usage during the holidays compared to pre-pandemic. So usually the holidays oh. is a really high usage period time, um, but it dropped during the pandemic. So we put posted a post survey of like, well, what kind of things happened that you know might have changed that, and a lot of people were like there's so much anxiety um, and just like, you know, mental health things from fig- like this, this pandemic is not ending. And then also like, I'm stuck with kids in the house all the time, or I'm not able to see like my significant other or like, uh, like loved ones and things like that. So I think that was a really cool study for us to put out of just like, whatever you're experiencing is also completely normal. It's just more that sex is sexy for a lot of like I think articles and so people are like oh yeah like everyone's doing it but uh it was a really cool finding just to kind of normalize this idea of like well it's just everyone's experiencing differently especially the pandemic so it's really cool and I actually recently found a study from the Kinsey Institute and it was a really similar thing of like you know uh more creativity in terms of like maybe there's more like uh, like video sexting or like all of those things, but not right. as much like sex happening or like masturbation happening.
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought about the holidays, but obviously I know that's, that's such an anxiety yes. time <laughs> and that affects like your mental health and wanting to that's, that. That's that's interesting. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, and now do you want to go into the rapid fire question? Okay. So that's cool. I'm ready. Okay um what's the most kind of interesting or surprising comment you've heard from like a lioness user
1: oh uh, um honestly I think it was the concussion one it was like an athlete just being like hey I think something's broken with my lioness and just realizing we're like did something happen on this day and she's like oh I had a concussion and then we Mm -hmm. just had this huge moment of like oh maybe there's something that happens with concussion so that was something my co-founder actually got to present at a medical conference like hey like maybe traumatic brain injuries have a huge effect on orgasms and arousal. And maybe someone should research and dig much deeper into this.
0: Very cool. Um, If your life was a movie, what genre would it be? And who would you want to play you?
1: Oh, that is a (laughs) that is a load. (laughs) I don't know who I'd want to play me. But Mm -hmm. I think it would be a comedy movie. Mostly because I love I think I love really just like silly funny movies so like yes. movies like uh the scary movie like the parodies like one through five or whatever I love <laughs> like yeah those uh, are great uh idioc- idiocracy like that's one of my mm-hmm. favorite movies fifth element so I I love just like fun I think like color very colorful very like uh it definitely wouldn't be like very aesthetically beautiful indie film it'd just be yeah. very fun and silly
0: I love that. Okay. Um, if you could have an unlimited supply of one thing, what would it be? Lube.
1: I don't know. <laughs> um, unlimited supply, anything? God, that's a hard question too. I'm going to stick with lube. I like that because everyone should, you know, have lubricant. Everyone should Good. lube, like all of that stuff.
0: <laughs> I agree. Yeah. I think you did a video on like the top, I don't know if it was 10 or 11, like sex items or toys yes. that, that are worth buying. Do you, Can you give like a recap of maybe like your top two that you'd recommend buying?
1: Besides the linus. <laughs>
0: Besides the linus, of course, yes. Like if okay, it's like okay. a specific kind of lube or like, I don't know.
1: Oh, yeah, okay. Maybe, yeah. um, I don't know if it's going to be from the top 10, but I will say like my favorite two things that... I don't get to promote. I don't get to like be like not promote. I'm not sponsoring Mm -hmm. me, but like one of it is if you can get a hand, if you live in a place where THC is legal, like THC lubricant, I think is so interesting to me. Um, I've always had really interesting Linus data with it. Um, it's made the orgasms just much longer. Like, I just think the experience of it is really, really interesting. Uh, CBD is really great. If you have like maybe like some pain or like need help kind of relaxation, actually pain, you should go see a physical uh, pelvic floor therapist or doctor, but, yes. um, just like anything relaxed, kind of relaxing that area, I think is really, really awesome. So CBD or THC lubricant. Um, the other one I really like, uh, there's a, there's a toy called the Njoy. It's the letter N and then joy. Um, and it's a stainless steel wand and it's super C curvatured. So okay. anytime people ask me about like, uh, like squirting being like like how do we even get there like because you're kind of trying to touch a very specific spot that's pretty like it does that I think the way enjoy is shaped is really good for it so like Mm -hmm. if you're trying to figure out how to get there like I always am like I think enjoy is really cool and it's really cool because it's like stainless steel it's very heavy and like really cool looking
0: wow okay I haven't heard of the the THC loop I know it's, it's legal it's legal in Canada and Vancouver but that's a really good one Yes. Uh, uh what is something that's um missing from your life right now?
1: Oh what's missing from my life right now? Um okay, these rapid fires are so thoughtful. <laughs> it really, really deepens my life. Um I think maybe for me right now is uh God, I don't know. I don't think I really have. I'm, I'm, I would say, well, maybe it kind of goes into this. Um, I had like a very big, and I think anytime we talk about like imposter syndrome, like that's like a, like, I think when people meet me now, they're like, Oh, like you're, you know, so put together, like you're so Mm -hmm. open about things. Like that's the thing that I've worked on forever. Right. Like, I think a lot of people deal with it of like, am I good enough? Am I the right person to be a founder? Like all of those things, like, am I a good engineer? Like, all those things. And I think um, I definitely had especially a lot of that the past year of just being like, what am I doing and all of this stuff. And I think this year, and I mean, this year, like the past couple months or whatever, I really found like clarity and just feeling really comfortable being myself. So just being like, you know, I just really don't care whether people think I'm really happy with how I'm kind of approaching life. And I think it's just maybe a little bit different than what most people would do but I think I'm really excited about all the things that we've accomplished and excited about all the opportunities so maybe if you've talked to me like six months now I've been like I need some more clarity and like just knowing that I'm in the right path but I feel like in the past couple months I've been like yeah like I'm really just happy with what we're working on all the cool things we've had opportunities to do this past couple months so um
0: yeah that's awesome yeah, I know that I, most of my guests are mostly female, and a lot of mm. them, even like really like some like someone like you, very successful, a co-founder. They've been in their in their business or industry for so long, and they all say they still experience imposter syndrome, which is so interesting. Yeah, and yeah. the men, the men that I've had on, not so much. They're like, no, <laughs> like not at all. I don't. They're I don't like, really I'm experience- doing great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So no, that's that's interesting. But it's good that you're feeling good about it now. I think it, for me, it comes in waves, and I think totally. for me, the pandemic it helped me relax and chill out a little bit more. So maybe that's made me a little happier. And like, I I don't care as much anymore. So the imposter syndrome tends to go away a little bit, but it still creeps in, but it's it's kind of in a weird way. It's still, it's reassuring to hear that you still experience it now.
1: Oh, a hundred percent. I think it never, it never like fully goes away, but I think there's just, I think just knowing like, man, like you just gotta keep crushing it. I don't know, like just have a good time doing it and I really do believe like there's no right or wrong path to do anything. Like it really is just, are you enjoying it? Does it align with your values in life? And even if your values change later in life, that's fine. Like reevaluate all of that. But if it aligns, like, I think you're doing the right thing. That's what I've come, come to conclude so far. <laughs>
0: nice. Um, I have two more questions. Um, okay. Second, to last one, what is the compliment that you hear the most?
1: Oh, uh, uh, you know what? I hear that a lot that I'm bubbly. Ooh,
0: that's, <laughs> no. I, I, would, I would agree. Yeah.
1: <laughs> thank you. I, it's so funny. Cause I still kind of like hate it. Cause I was like, I feel like I'm like beyond just like a really, I think I come, I understand where they're coming from, but like, because I struggled with like depression for so long, um, and like, you know, all of that. And so sometimes you're like, huh like is this I don't know you kind of go through like oh like Mm -hmm. am I not representing myself as a more multi-dimensional person or whatever Mm -hmm. but um I really do think like it's just knowing like what lows felt like for me like I think when I'm my highs are feel so genuinely like I do feel very positive of like when I talk to people, like, I don't think this is, like, a mask of, like, me being, like, fake happy, like, Mm -hmm. this is just me being, like, that. I'm, like, enjoying myself, so um, now I really like it as a compliment, and I hear it probably the most often, because I think, I I could see what people mean when they say that I come off that way.
0: (laughs) Yes, yes, Um, and okay, last one, who are the three most influential people in your life?
1: Oh, um, I'm gonna definitely, of course, see my, my, my family, and my, like, my brother, and my mom, and my dad like but my mom especially of just like raising us as a, a single mom and uh just not knowing English and like coming to the U.S. to me is very like just man like I can't imagine ever doing something like that and like raising two kids and um now that like n- I don't have kids but like even just imagining like having to work a full-time job and manage that like I think that's so incredible so of course like they she's really taught me like uh like tenacity in doing things and then Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to, these are all like, I think like, I don't know. I feel like I'm giving like, like acceptance awards. (laughs) um, Of course, like my, I think my team and my co-founders, especially like my co-founders have been people that I've been working with for the past seven years. And I always tell people, I actually didn't know them before we started the company. And so that, in itself, I think, is like crazy that we've built this relationship. And like it's the same people that we've been I've been working with through all the highs, all the lows. And I think um definitely wouldn't be where we are without them. I think it's really rare to find people in your life, especially to run a company with, and especially co-foundership and all of that. So I feel very, very grateful. And our team too, is just that um, most of the team has been people that have been around with us for many many years and so just them believing in I think what the mission and kind of what we wanted to build I think is like I always feel very grateful because it's you know we've definitely had lows and just like Mm -hmm. all of these things and just sticking through it I think is like I'm very appreciative
0: yeah that's great well thank you so much for coming on I love learning more about Linus and everything what you guys are doing and I can't wait to see what you guys accomplish in the future, even yes. I think there's so much more to, to like talk about and to educate people on. So thank you for coming on. I appreciate Yay. you. And do you mind kind of plugging in where people can find it, um, where yes. they can purchase one if they're interested? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So if you're interested, you could get it through our website. Uh, our company's Linus, like a female lion. So it's Linus.io. Uh, all our social media handles are Linus Health. I would say Instagram is probably our most um, active. And then if you want to follow me, I, I put out like TikToks and all of those like random kind of behind the scenes stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, my Instagram, which is Anna is average. And then my TikTok is Anna the average. I will merge those at some point. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm pretty active on both accounts. And
0: yeah, amazing. Thanks so much.
1: Thank you so much for having me.